with me to Matthew chapter 22, please. We're looking at the power to, and the title of today's message is the power to be forgiven. And we touched on that last week, but also we're going to add now and to forgive others. (laughs) Isn't that good? I know it's not good right now, but hang on, stay with me, and it'll take us a while to get to all of that, but that's, that's it. The power to be forgiven and the power to forgive others. Acts 1.8 says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And we have to realize that through this, and we, this is one of our key scriptures, The purpose and goal of every believer is to be a good witness, a godly witness for Christ. Or we could say to be a witness of Christ to the world. I mean, that's why God made you. That's why God saved you. That's why he sent Jesus. That's why he poured out his blood so that we could be in right relationship with God. And then he could begin to work his purpose in our lives. And it should be our desire to fulfill that call because that's God's call for our life. He purposed this, that we would be filled with the Holy Spirit and we would be able to be his witnesses. Now, as we've looked at this between being filled with the Holy Spirit and be his witnesses, there's a lot of stuff we're going to go through, but it's all to transform us and to get us to draw closer to the Lord so that we can be that witness that he has called us to be. And so the greatest thing that you can do is come into agreement with God's desire, his plan, his purposes for your life, for you to be his witness. See, it's getting better already, isn't it? When we have talked about receiving the Holy Spirit, we've we're seeing that one of the first things that the Holy Spirit does and one of his first responsibilities, and sometimes we put it off, is for him to get us to understand, come to the knowledge of the truth of God's love for us. Because when we understand that we're loved by God, then nothing else matters to us. Doesn't matter what anybody else says. Doesn't matter what anybody else does. Doesn't matter what anybody else doesn't do. When we know we're loved by God, that settles everything. And the proof that God loves us, according to the scripture, is the fact that Jesus came and he died for us. That was, according to Romans chapter 5, that's God's demonstration of his love for us. Okay? So we, we can't say that we don't know that God loves us. Yes, you do. Read your Bible. And we have to get this truth down in our hearts because God wants us to love him and he wants us to love others as he has loved us. And that brings us to Matthew 22. And we've looked at this recently, but I just want to refresh your memory. Verse 35 says, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, Jesus, to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and with all your might, mind. 
This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Now, most of the time, and I'll be honest with you, when I read this, we focus on loving our neighbor as ourselves. And, and we have done that just recently. But this morning, we, ha- we also have to think about, he says the first one is to love God. Which means that you have to be in a relationship with him, an ongoing relationship with him. And I want to encourage you to do that. Do you know how hard it is to love other people when you haven't been loved by God and you're not in that love relationship with God? I mean, it's dear near impossible. Because it's not in us. But when we love God, when we give ourselves to him, then he empowers us to receive his love but then to pass that love on to others. Because whenever God loves us, He loves us so that we now can go love somebody else in His name and be His witness. Okay? We cannot give away what we do not believe ourselves. And so we need to come to the place where we trust in God's love no matter what trials we face, knowing that He has always been with us. The greatest action we can do is to love God back and to love others as he himself has loved us. There's no getting around this. How God has loved us, we should love others. And so we have to come to the understanding of how God has loved us. Now, in the scripture, there's three words that speak of love. Three different words. And so we're going to go through them. The first one is eros. And eros is where we get the word erotic from. And it means our physical attraction to one another uh, in a biblical sense of the opposite gender. Nowadays, you've got to clarify that. Okay? It's the sensual love. Okay? And it's part of life. But it's not the main thing. Okay? And um, this love is... Very important, but it is also primarily physical in nature. Sensual. Okay? The next one is phileo. And we get the word Philadelphia. We get the city of Philadelphia. The city of brotherly love. Okay? And so they copied this from the Scriptures. And for the record... We could use some more phileo love in the world today. All right? It's brotherly love, brotherly affection. We could use that. There's so many people nowadays that if you disagree with them now, they just write you off. They cut you off. That's not brotherly love. But on the same side, we as believers need to be making sure that we're loving them even when they disagree with us. All right, we can't cut them off either. So, and then the last word for love in the scriptures is agape. Agape love. And agape love is God kind of love. It's God. Okay? And agape love. You got your seatbelts on? All right. Agape love always requires 
a sacrifice. It's going to cost you something. If you're going to agape love somebody, you are going to sacrifice something. Could be your time. Could be your money. Could be your convenience. Could be your sleep. Could be your food. Whatever it is, somewhere down the line, when you agape love somebody, it's going to cost you. This is the highest form of love. And this is the love that we should all strive for. And in this agape love, the sacrifice is towards somebody else. It's, it's not for your benefit, it's for somebody else's benefit. All right? And this is the kind of love that God loves us with, and the proof is in Jesus Christ becoming our sacrifice. Jesus coming and dying for us, paying the debt for our sins that we could never pay, and doing it knowing the love of the Father for Himself, and knowing how much the Father loves us. It costs God the life of His Son, Jesus Christ, to bring us back into right relationship with Him. And so true agape love is going to cost us as well. <clears throat> and it will be painful at times. If Jesus endured the cross, whatever He's going to ask of you to sacrifice, as painful as it is, the Holy Spirit will empower you to walk and to fulfill that kind of love. To be a sacrifice, that alone ought to register red flags that, okay, this is going to be painful. All right? But I want to encourage you, it's a good kind of painful. If you are going to walk in agape love, you have to understand this too. People will use you and abuse you. Now, listen, they won't do it on purpose, but they just don't know any better. Okay? You're walking in an area that they don't know, and then they're going to come to you, and because of where they are, they're going to have to use you and abuse you for a while. And so be prepared for that and know that it's okay. There is always someone in our life who is not at the maturity level that agape love is, and we have to know that we're loved by God so that we could love them as God has loved us. And you see, for us, we get to have the cross as our example of agape love. All right? And if you think Jesus got out of here without being used and abused, you haven't read the word. So the Holy Spirit is given to us so that we can know that we're loved by God and then we can love God and love others as He has loved us. The same is true for forgiveness as well. Last week we talked about the need for the Holy Spirit to empower us to receive God's forgiveness for ourselves. 
We have to know that we are forgiven by God. That is foundational. Just like you know that you're loved by God, you also have to know that you're forgiven by God. Now, we always grade on a curve. You know, God does it. When we ask for forgiveness from Him, He forgives us. Okay? Some of us don't like God's plan. Some of us struggle with being forgiven by God. And I shared some of that last week, so I just want to encourage you. If you struggle with that, just repent. Say, God, I have a struggle with you forgiving me. Help me in that area. Holy Spirit, help me. And he will. But we need that. Think about it. How can we pass true forgiveness on to others if we struggle with being forgiven by God ourselves? It's just like, if we don't know that we're loved by God, it's going to be very hard to pass that on to somebody else and love them. If we don't know that we're forgiven by God, it's going to be very hard to forgive somebody else. And to be able to truly forgive ourselves, we must know, if I say we must know, that we are loved by God and then we walk in the freedom of that love. And walk in the power and freedom of God's forgiveness. <coughs> we are commanded to forgive others as God has forgiven us. And that is why God has given us the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit has come to empower us to be like Christ. And to forgive others as God has forgiven us. And since I know it's true in my life, I'm pretty certain that it's true in your life. We need the Holy Spirit to be able to forgive others. And, you know, the thing is, is we can't just say that we forget. We have to forgive others as God has forgiven us. Because you can flippantly say, well, I forgive you. But wait a minute. Do you forgive them like God has forgiven you? That's a different question. And that's why he puts this uh, stipulation on us. So here's some commands from God's word from the Bible for us to forgive others as God has forgiven us. The first one is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, starting in verse 4. And if you don't know this, this is the love chapter. Okay, 1 Corinthians 13 is known as the love chapter. Verse 4. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. And you're looking at me and you say, well, it doesn't say anything about forgiveness. <laughs> I know, but it does. And we'll get to that in a minute, but I'll tell you what it is now. When he says love is patient and kind. But say kind. Do you know you can't be kind without knowing that you're forgiven? I know you have, so don't raise your hands and don't throw out any names. But I know every one of us in here have come across somebody who is not kind. And then when we examine their life, we understand that they're not kind 
because they don't understand God's forgiveness. They, they can't receive it for themselves and they can't pass it on to somebody else. And we'll, we'll see, hang with me, we'll see it in some other scripture. When you when you don't know that you're forgiven, it's very difficult to be kind to somebody. I mean, it just is. If you'll turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2, please. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4. Ephesians 2, 4. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages he might show. Listen to this. The immeasurable riches of his grace. Isn't that awesome? And I know that I've read this before and I have to talk about it again. The immeasurable riches of his grace. Which means. That it can't be measured. You can't, there's nothing that you can think of a way to measure God's grace in our lives. Whew. I mean, isn't that amazing? That's how God is. And then he throws this qualifier in. But let me read it again. So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace. How? In kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Why is he able to do that? Because Christ paid the price for us. Christ forgave us. Alright? And then Ephesians chapter 4 verse 31. Ephesians 4 31. See, kindness and forgiveness go hand in hand. If you ever met somebody who's bitter, you know that they have a hard time being kind. Right? Ephesians 4.31. And then we're going to go to Ephesians 5.2, but it's only four verses. Ephesians 4.31. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with some malice. All right, just check, make sure you're reading the same thing. All malice. That means you've got to get rid of it all. Can't hold a little bit back. Can't put it in your pocket. Saving it for later. Verse 32. Be kind to one another. There it is. Tenderhearted. Forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. 
agape kind of love, God kind of love, requires a sacrifice. And we have it in Jesus. And because he says that we're to do this as he has loved us, as he has forgiven us, we're to be kind as he has been kind to us, then that means we have to be on our toes to be able to forgive as God has forgiven us. And I'm telling you, we're going to need the power of the Holy Spirit for this. Because forgiving others is not optional for us. It is a command. And, you know, we claim that we want to be God's witnesses. We read Acts chapter 1, verse 8, and can't wait to receive the power of the Holy Spirit that causes us to be His witnesses. But here's what it's going to cost you to be His witness. You're going to have to learn to love others as He has loved you. And you're going to have to learn how to forgive others as He has forgiven you. And I'm telling you, when you start down that process, you are going to die. Your life as you have been in control is going to die. Because God is going to require a sacrifice if you're going to love and forgive as He has forgiven us. You can't get around it. There's, there's no loopholes. Turn with me to Colossians chapter 3, please. Colossians chapter 3. Verse 12. Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. Okay, so he's just talking about us. Okay? God's chosen ones. Holy and beloved. And then he tells us, this is what we're to wear. This is what we're to put on. So something has to take come off and something is being put on. And this is what he tells us that we need to put on. Compassionate hearts. Kindness. Humility. Meekness. And patience. Bearing with one another and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. And it's conditional. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. So I'm here to tell you. True forgiveness is not only for us, but it's for us to pass on to others. That we would be his witnesses. And to be his witness. I'm telling you. We need the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. It's very hard to forgive others. When you're thinking about what they've done to you. Very hard. When your mind is focused on them. It is very hard to forgive them. But I want to encourage you. The Holy Spirit will enable you to forgive. But you have to go in knowing that it's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you your life. Your way of thinking. If you'll turn with me to Luke chapter 7, please. Hey, y'all are doing good. We're almost done. <laughs> I say that so you can practice forgiveness. Because when we're not almost done, you can say, well, he's a liar, you know. And then you can say, yeah, but he preached on forgiveness. So let's forgive him. But really, we are almost done. 
Luke chapter 7, verse 36 says. One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at table. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner. When she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, and she's speaking of Jesus, where they are, brought an alabaster flask of ointment and standing behind him at his feet, weeping. She began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, now listen. Well, let me read this. If this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is, who is touching him, for she is a sinner. Okay, look. Everybody in the room knew she was a sinner, including Jesus. If the Pharisees could figure it out, certainly Jesus knew. So he didn't have to be a prophet. All right? But they're just trying to have beef with Jesus. So, verse 40. And Jesus answered, say, answering said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, say it, teacher. Whew. Verse 41. A certain men, money lender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now, which of them will love him more. Simon answered, the one, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. Then, turning towards the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, which he was supposed to. But she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. Verse 45, you gave me no kiss, which was customary. But from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. They would kiss cheek to cheek here. She's kissing his feet. Verse 46, you did not anoint my head with oil. And that was customary if it was needed. But she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. So Jesus did know what kind of woman she was. For she loved much. But he who is forgiven little, loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. This is the example that Jesus is leaving for us. And I, I want to encourage you with this. 
the more you come to the understanding of how God has forgiven you, the more you will want to pass that on to others. When you look at your life and you think, well, I, I haven't been that bad. Okay, you're in trouble already. All right? And what we do is we gauge our sin compared to somebody else and we always find somebody who is worse off than we are and we say, yeah, but I, I didn't do what they did. You're in hot water. It's not good already. Jesus said, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. And then I want to close with this scripture out of Matthew chapter 6. And this is part of the Lord's Prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray when they ask him. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 12, And forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. So we need to examine our life. We need to ask ourselves, have I forgiven like God has forgiven me? And if the answer is no, then I suggest that you start praying and asking God to give you his heart so that you can forgive like he has forgiven you. Rely on the Holy Spirit. Trust the Holy Spirit. It's not in us, in our nature, to forgive others. That's why God has poured out His Spirit into us. So that we can be loved. We can love God. We can love others. We can be forgiven. And we can forgive ourselves. And we can forgive others. Forgiveness can be very, very difficult. But it is also very, very necessary in the kingdom of God. And in becoming more and more like Jesus. And being his witnesses. And we need the power of the Holy Spirit. Not only for our lives to be forgiven. But to then pass that same forgiveness on to others. And I know some people are mad and angry with God. Because God forgives so easily. When it is so difficult for us. And I know that it can be difficult for us, especially when we have gone through things, especially physical and sexual abuse. That is very difficult. But God commands us to forgive others as He has forgiven us. So to be like Christ and to be willing to be a sacrifice. We have to know that we're loved. And then we have to know the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. The agape love that forgives because of Christ's sacrifice and example that He left for us to walk in. If you'll stand with me, please.
being a pastor for almost 32 years, I can tell you, we've heard some horror stories of what people have gone through, the abuse that they've taken. And in all of them, it's very difficult to lead people to forgive because we want justice too. But we have to come to the place that no matter what has happened, we are willing to forgive. We're willing to pass that forgiveness on to others. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we need you. We need you to help us forgive ourselves. And then we need your help to forgive others as you have forgiven us. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for being right there with us, empowering us to forgive, even to the point of being a sacrifice and being Christ's witness in forgiving others as you, God, have forgiven us. Help us in this area. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right.